Chapter 2 Sexual Reproduction in Flowering Plants Pre-fertilization structures and events Much before the actual flower is seen on a plant, the decision that the plant is going to flower has taken place. Several hormonal and structural changes are initiated which lead to the differentiation and further development of the floral primordium. Inflorescences are formed which bear the floral buds and then the flowers. In the flower, the male and female reproductive structures and androsium and the gynosium differentiate and develop. Stamen, microsporangium and pollen grains. Figure 2.2a shows the two parts of a typical stamen. The long and the slender stalk called the filament and the terminal generally bilobed structure called the anther. The proximal end of the filament is attached to the thalamus or the petal of the flower. The number and length of stamens are variable in flowers of different species. If you were to collect a stamen each from 10 flowers and arrange them on a slide, you would be able to appreciate the large variation in size seen in nature. A typical angiosperm anther is bilobed with each lobe having two theca, that is their dithecus, often a longitudinal groove starts lengthwise separating the theca. The bilobed nature of an anther is very distinct in the transverse section of the anther. The anther is a four-sided tetragonal structure consisting of four microsporangium located at corners, two in each lobe. The microsporangia develop further and become pollen sacs. They extend longitudinally all through the length of an anther and are packed with pollen grains. Structure of microsporangium in a transverse section, a typical microsporangium appears nearly circular in outline. It is generally surrounded by four layers, the epidermis, endothecium, middle layers and the tapetum. The outer three wall layers perform the function of protection and help in dihiscence of anther to release the pollen. The innermost wall layer is the tapetum. It nourishes the developing pollen grains. Cells of the tapetum possess dense cytoplasm and generally have more than one nucleus. When the anther is young, a group of compactly arranged homogeneous cells called sporogenous tissue occupies the center of each microsporangium. Microsporogenesis. As the anther develops, the cells of the microsporogenous tissue undergo meiotic divisions to form microspore tetrads. As each cell of the sporogenous tissue is capable of giving rise to a microspore tetrad, each one is a potential pollen or microspore mother cell. This process of formation of microspores from a mother pollen mother cell through meiosis is called microsporogenesis. The microspores, as they are formed, are arranged in a cluster of four cells, the microspore tetrad. As the anthers mature and dehydrate, the microspores dissociate from each other and develop into pollen grains. Inside each microsporangium, several thousands of microspores or pollen grains are formed that are released with the dihiscence of anther. Pollen grain. The pollen grains represent the male gametophytes. Pollen grains are generally spherical, measuring about 25 to 50 micrometers in diameter. 
It has a prominent two-layered wall. The hard outer layer, called the exine, is made up of sporopollenin, which is one of the most resistant organic material known. It can withstand high temperatures and strong acids and alkali. No enzyme that degrades sporopollenin is so far known. Pollen grain exine has prominent apaches called germ spores where sporopollenin is absent. Pollen grains are well preserved as fossils because of the presence of sporopollenin. The exine exhibits a fascinating array of patterns and designs. The inner wall of the pollen grains is called the entine. It is a thin and continuous layer made up of cellulose and pectin. The cytoplasm of pollen grain is surrounded by a plasma membrane. When the pollen grain is mature, it contains two cells, the vegetative cell and the generative cell. The vegetative cell is bigger, has abundant food reserve and a large irregularly shaped nucleus. The generative cell is small and floats in the cytoplasm of vegetative cell. It is spindle-shaped with dense cytoplasm and a nucleus. In over 60% of angiosperms, pollen grains are shed at this two-cell stage. In the remaining species, the generative cell divides mitotically to give rise to two male gametes before pollen grains are shed. Pollen grains of many species cause severe allergies and bronchial afflictions in some people, often leading to chronic respiratory disorders, asthma, bronchitis, etc. It may be mentioned that parthenium or carrot grass that came into India as a contaminant with imported wheat has become ubiquitous in occurrence and causes pollen allergy. Pollen grains are rich in nutrients. It has become a fashion in recent years to use pollen tablets as food supplements. In Western countries, a large number of pollen products in the form of tablets and syrups are available in market. Pollen consumption has been claimed to increase the performance of athletes and racehorses. When once they are shed, pollen grains have to land on the stigma before they lose viability if they have to bring about fertilization. The period for which pollen grains remain viable is highly variable and to some extent depends on the prevailing temperature and humidity. In some cereals such as rice and wheat, pollen grains lose viability within 30 minutes of their release and in some members of rosacea, leguminosa and solanacea, they maintain viability for months. You may have heard of storing semen sperms of many animals including humans for artificial insemination. It is possible to store pollen grains of a large number of species for years in ni liquid nitrogen minus 196 degrees Celsius. Such stored pollen can be used as pollen banks similar to seed banks in crop breeding programs. The pistil, microsporangium and embryo sac. The gynosium represents the female reproductive part of the flower. The gynosium may consist of a single pistil, monocarpillary or may have more than one pistil, multicarpillary. When there are more than one, the pistil may be fused together, syncarpus or may be free, apocarpus. Each pistil has three parts. The stigma, style and ovary. The stigma serves as a landing platform for pollen grains. The style is the elongated slender part beneath the stigma. The basal bulged part of the pistil is the ovary. Inside the ovary is the ovarian cavity locule. The placenta is located inside the ovarian cavity. The number of ovules in an ovary may be one too many. Arising from the placenta are the microsporangia commonly called ovules. 
the microsporangium ovule the ovule is a small structure attached to the placenta by means of a stalk called funicle the body of the ovule fuses with funicle in the region called hilum this hilum represents the junction between ovule and funicle each ovule has one or two protective envelopes called integuments integuments encircle the nucellus except at the tip where a small opening called the microphylle is organized opposite the microphylar end is the chalaza representing the basal part of the ovule and close within the integuments is a mass of cell called the nucellus cells of the nucellus have abundant reserve food materials located in the nucellus is the embryo sac of female gametophyte an ovule generally has a single embryo sac formed from megaspore megasporogenesis the process of formation of megaspores from mother megaspore mother cell is called megasporogenesis ovules generally differentiate a single megaspore mother cell in the microphylar region of the nucellus it is a large cell containing dense cytoplasm and a prominent nucleus the mmc undergoes meiotic division meiosis results in the production of four megaspores female gametophyte in a majority of flowering plants one of the megaspore is functional while the other three degenerate only the functional megaspore develops into the female gametophyte this method of embryo sac formation from a single megaspore is termed monosporic development the nucleus of the functional megaspore divides mitotically to form two nuclei which move to the opposite poles forming the two nucleate embryo sac two more sequential mitotic nuclear divisions result in the formation of the four nucleate and later the eight nucleate stages of the embryo sac it is of interest to note that these mitotic divisions are strictly free nuclear that is nuclear divisions are not followed immediately by cell wall formation after the eight nucleate stage cell walls are laid down leading to the organization of the typical female gametophyte or embryo sac observe the distribution of cells inside the embryo sac six of eight nuclei are surrounded by cell walls and organized into cells the remaining two nuclei called polar nuclei are situated below the egg apparatus in the large central cell there is a characteristic distribution of the cells within the embryo sac three cells are grouped together at the microphylar end and constitute the egg apparatus the egg apparatus in turn consists of two synergids and one egg cell the synergids have specialized cellular thickening at the microphylar tip called filiform apparatus which play an important role in guiding the pollen tubes into the synergids three cells are at the stylazal end and are called the antipodules the large central cell as mentioned earlier has two polar nuclei this is a typical angiosperm embryo sac at maturity though eight nucleate is seven celled pollination pollination is the mechanism to achieve this objective of transfer of pollen grains to the stigma of a pistil flowering plants have evolved an amazing array of adaptations to achieve pollination kinds of pollination depending on the source of pollen pollination can be divided into three types autogamy in this type pollination is achieved within the same flower transfer of pollen grains from the anther to the stigma of the same flower in a normal flower which opens and exposes the anthers and the stigma complete autogamy is rather rare autogamy in such flowers requires synchrony in pollen release and stigma receptivity and also the anthers and stigma should 
lie close to each other so that self pollination can occur some plants such as viola oxalis and commonina produce two types of flowers chasmogamous flowers which are similar to flowers of other species with exposed anthers and stigma and cleistogamous flowers which do not open at all in such flowers the anthers and stigma lie close to each other when anthers diehesize in the flower buds pollen grains come in contact with the stigma to affect pollination thus cleistogamous flowers are invariably autogamous as there is no chance of cross pollination landing on the stigma cleistogamous flowers produce a short seed set even in the absence of pollinators Gitanogamy transfer of pollen grains from the anther to the stigma of another flower of the same plant although gitanogamy is functionally cross pollination involving a pollen agent genetically it is similar to autogamy since the pollen grains come from the same plant xenogamy transfer of pollen grains from the anther to the stigma of a different plant this is the only type of pollination which is during pollination brings genetically different type of pollen grains to the stigma agents of pollination plants use two abiotic wind and water and one biotic animals agents to achieve pollination majority of plants use biotic agents for pollination only a small proportion of plants use abiotic agents pollen grains coming in contact with the stigma is a chance factor in both wind and water pollination to compensate for this uncertainties and associated loss of pollen grains flowers produce enormous amount of pollen when compared to the number of ovules available for pollination pollination by wind is more common amongst abiotic pollination wind pollination also requires that the pollen grains are light and non sticky so that they can be transported in wind currents they often possess well exposed stamens and large often feathery stigma to easy trap airborne pollen grains wind pollinated flowers often have a single ovule in each ovary and numerous flowers packed into an inflorescence a, fa- a familiar example is the corn cob the tassels you see are nothing but a stigma and style which wave in the wind to trap pollen grains wind pollination is quite common in grasses pollination by water is quite rare in flowering plants and is limited to about 30 genera mostly monocotyledons as against this you would recall that water is a regular mode of transport for the male gamete among the lower plant groups such as algae bryophytes and pteridophytes it is believed particularly for some bryophytes and pteridophytes that their distribution is limited because of the need of for water for the transport of male gamete and fertilization some examples of water pollinated plants are valesneria and hydrilla which grow in fresh water and several marine grasses such as zostera not all aquatic plants use water for pollination the majority of aquatic plants such as water hyacinth and water lily The flower emerges above the level of water and are pollinated by insects or wind as in most of the land plants. In Valesneria, the female flower reaches the surface of water by the long stalk and male flowers or pollen grains are released onto the surface of water. They are carried passively by water currents. Some of them eventually reach the female flowers and the stigma. In another group of water pollinated plants such as sea grasses, Female flowers remain submerged in water and the pollen grains are released inside the water. 
Pollen grains in many such species are long, ribbon-like, and they are carried passively inside the water. Some of them reach the stigma and achieve pollination. In most of the water-pollinated species, pollen grains are protected from wetting by mucilaginous covering. Majority of flowering plants use a range of animals as pollinating agents. Bees, butterflies, flies, beetles, wasps, ants, moths, birds, and bats are common pollinating agents. Among the animals, insects, particularly bees, are the dominant biotic pollinating agents. Even larger animals such as some primates, lemurs, arboreal rodents, or even reptiles have been reported as pollinators in some species. Often flowers of animals pollinated plants are specifically adapted for a particular species of animal. Majority of insect pollinated flowers are large, colorful, fragrant and rich in nectar. When the flowers are small, a number of flowers are clustered into an inflorescence to make them conspicuous. Animals are attracted to flowers by color or, and or fragrance. The flowers pollinated by flies and beetles secrete full orders to attract these animals. To sustain animal visits, the flowers have to provide rewards to the animals. Nectar and pollen grains are the usual floral rewards. For harvesting the rewards from the flower, the animal visitor comes in contact with the anthers and the stigma. The body of animal gets a coat of pollen grains which are generally sticky in animal pollinated flowers. When the animal carrying pollen on its body comes in contact with the stigma, it brings about pollination. In some species, floral rewards are in providing safe places to lay eggs. An example is that of the tallest flower of Amorphophallus. The flower itself is about 6 feet in height. A similar relationship exists between a species of moth and plant yucca where both species moth and the plant cannot complete their life cycle without each other. The moth deposits its eggs in the locule of the ovary and the flower in turn gets pollinated by the moth. The larvae of the moth come out of the eggs as the seeds start developing. Outbreeding devices. Majority of flowering plants produce hermaphrodite Flowers and pollen grains are likely to come in contact with the stigma of the same flower. Continued self-pollination results in inbreeding depression. Flowering plants have developed many devices to discourage self-pollination and to encourage cross-pollination. In some species, pollen release and stigma receptivity are not synchronized. Either the pollen is released before the stigma becomes receptive or stigma becomes receptive much before the release of pollen. In some other species, the anther and the stigma are placed at different positions so that the pollen cannot come in contact with the stigma of the same flower. Both these devices prevent autogamy. The third device to prevent inbreeding is self-incompatibility. This is a genetic mechanism and prevents self-pollination from fertilizing the ovules by inhibiting pollen germination or pollen tube growth in the pistil. Another device to prevent self-pollination is the production of unisexual flowers. If growth male and female flowers are present on the same plants such as castor and maize, it prevents autogamy but not gitanogamy. In several species such as papaya, male and female flowers are present on different plants. That is, each plant is either male or female. This condition prevents both autogamy and gitanogamy. Pollen-pistil interaction 
pollination does not guarantee the transfer of right type of pollen often pollen of wrong type either from other species or from the same plant also land on the stigma the pistil has the ability to recognize the pollen whether it is of the right type or of the wrong type if it is of the right type the pistil accepts the pollen and promotes post pollination events that leads to fertilization if the pollen is of the wrong type the pistil rejects the pollen by preventing pollen germination on the stigma or the pollen tube growth in the style the ability of the pistil to recognize the pollen followed by its acceptance or rejection is the result of a continuous dialogue between pollen grain and the pistil this dialogue is mediated by chemical components of the pollen interacting with those of the pistil it is only in the recent years that botanists have been able to identify some of the pollen and pistil components and the interactions leading to the recognition followed by acceptance or rejections the contents of the pollen grains move into the pollen tube pollen tube grows through the tissues of the stigma and style and reaches the ovary You would recall that in some plants pollen grains are shed at two cell stage condition a vegetative cell and a regenerative cell in such plants the generative cell divides and forms the two male gametes during the growth of pollen tube in the stigma in plants which shed pollen in three cell condition pollen tube carry the two male gametes from the beginning pollen tube after reaching the ovary enters the ovule through the microphylle and then enters one of the synergids through the filiform apparatus many recent studies have shown that filiform apparatus present at the microphylar part of the synergids guides the entry of pollen tube all these events from the pollen deposition on the stigma until pollen tube enters the ovule are together referred to as pollen pistil interaction as pointed out earlier pollen pistil interaction is a dynamic process involving pollen recognition followed by promotion or inhibition of the pollen the knowledge gained in this area would help the plant breeder in manipulating pollen pistil interaction even in incompatible pollinations to get desired hybrids As you shall learn in chapter on plant breeding a breeder is interested in crossing different species and often genera to combine desirable characters to produce commercially superior varieties artificial hybridization is one of the major approaches of crop improvement program in such crossing experiments it is important to make sure that only the desired pollen grains are used for pollination and the stigma is protected from contamination This is achieved by emasculation and bagging techniques. If the female parent bears bisexual flowers, removal of anthers from the flower bud before the anther dehiscence using a pair of forceps is necessary. This step is referred to as emasculation. Emasculated flowers have to be covered with a bag of suitable size, generally made up of butter paper. to prevent com- combination contamination of its stigma with unwanted pollen this process is called bagging when the stigma of bagged flower attains receptivity mature pollen grains collected from anthers of the male parent are dusted on the stigma and the flowers are rebagged and the fruits allowed to develop If the female parent produces unisexual flowers there is no need for emasculation the female flower buds are bagged before the flowers open when the stigma becomes receptive pollination is carried out using the desired pollen and the flower rebagged double fertilization 
After entering one of the synergids, the pollen tube releases the two male gametes into the cytoplasm of the synergid. One of the male gametes moves towards the egg cell and fuses with its nucleus, thus completing the syngamy. This results in the formation of a diploid cell, the zygote. The other male gamete moves towards the two polar nuclei located in the central cell and fuses with them to produce a triploid primary endosperm nucleus. As this involves the fusion of three haploid nuclei, it is termed as triple fusion. Since two types of fusion, syngamy and triple fusion, takes place in an embryo sac, the phenomenon is termed as double fertilization, an event unique to flowering plants. The central cell after triple fusion becomes the primary endosperm cell and develops into the endosperm while the zygote develops into an embryo. Post-fertilization structures and events Following double fertilization, events of endosperm and embryo development, maturation of ovules into seeds and ovary into fruit are collectively termed post-fertilization events. Endosperm Endosperm development precedes embryo development. The primary endosperm cell divides repeatedly and forms a triploid endosperm tissue. The cells of this tissue are filled with reserved food materials and are used for the nutrition of the developing embryo. In the most common types of endosperm development, the pen undergoes successive nuclear divisions to give rise to free nuclei. This stage of endosperm development is called free nuclear endosperm. Subsequently, cell wall formation occurs and the endosperm becomes cellular. The number of free nuclei formed before cellularization varies greatly. The coconut water from tender coconut that you are familiar with is nothing but free nuclear endosperm and the surrounding white kernel is the cellular endosperm. Endosperm may either be completely consumed by the developing embryo, example pea, groundnut beans before seed maturation, or it may be persist in the mature seed, example castor and coconut, and be used during seed germination. Embryo Embryo develops at the microfiler end of the embryo sac where the zygote is situated. Most zygotes divide only after a certain amount of endosperm is formed. This is an adaptation to provide assured nutrition to the developing embryo. Though the seeds differ greatly, the early stages of embryo development, embryogeny, are similar in both monocotyledons and dicotyledons. The zygote gives rise to proembryo and subsequently to the globular heart-shaped and mature embryo. A typical dicotyledonous embryo consists of an embryonal axis and two cotyledons. The portion of embryonal axis above the level of cotyledons is the epicotyle which terminates with the pupil or step tip. The cylindrical portion below the level of cotyledons is hypocotyle that terminates at its end lower end in the radical or root tip. The root tip is covered with a root cap. Embryos of monocotyledons possess only one cotyledon. In the grass family, the cotyledon is called scutellum, that is, situated towards one side of the embryonal axis. At its lower end, the embryonal axis has the radical and root cap enclosed in an undifferentiated sheet called chlorohiza. The portion of the embryonal axis above the level of attachment of scutellum is the epicotyle. Epicotyle has a shoot apex and few leaf primordia enclosed in a hollow foliar structure, the cleoptyle. Seed In angiosperm, the seed is the final product of sexual reproduction. It is often described as a fertilized ovule. Seeds 
are formed inside fruits. A seed typically consists of seed coat, cotyledon, and an embryo axis. The cotyledons of the embryo are simple structures, generally thick and swollen due to storage of food reserves. Mature seeds may be non-albuminous or ex-albuminous. Non-albuminous seeds have no residual endosperm as it is completely consumed during embryo development. Albuminous seeds retain a part of endosperm as it is not completely used up during embryo development. Occasionally in some seeds such as black pepper and beet, remnants of nucellus are also persistent. This residual persistent nucellus is perisperm. Integuments of ovule harden as tough protective seed coats. The microfile remains as a small pore in the seed coat. This facilitates entry of oxygen and water into the seed during germination. As the seed matures, its water content is reduced and seeds become relatively dry. The general metabolic activity of the embryos slow down, the embryo may enter a state of inactivity called dormancy or if favorable conditions are available, they germinate. As ovules mature into seeds, the ovary develops into a fruit, that is transformation of ovules into seeds and ovary into fruits proceeds simultaneously. The wall of the ovary develops into the wall of fruit called pericard. The fruit may be fleshy as in guava, orange, mango, etc. or may be dry as in groundnut and mustard, etc. Many fruits have evolved mechanism for dispersal of seeds. In most plants, by the time the fruit develops from the ovary, other floral paths degenerate and fall off. However, in few species such as apple, strawberry, cashew nuts, etc., the thalamus also contribute to fruit formation. Such fruits are called false fruits. Most fruits, however, develop only from the ovary and are called true fruits. Although in most of the species, flowers are the resultants or results of fertilization, there are a few species in which fruits develop without fertilization. Such fruits are called parthenocarpic fruits. Banana is one such example. Parthenocarpy can be induced through the application of growth hormones and such fruits are seedless. Seeds offer several advantages to angiosperms. Firstly, since reproductive processes such as pollination and fertilization are independent of water and seed formation is more dependable, also seeds have been adaptive strategies for disposal to new habitats and help the species to colonize in other areas. As they have sufficient food reserves, young seedlings are nourished until they are capable of photosynthesis on their own. The hard seed coat provides protection to the embryo. Being products of sexual reproduction, they generate new genetic combination leading to variations. Seeds in the basis of our agriculture. Dehydration and dormancy of mature seeds are crucial first stage storage of seeds which can be used as food throughout the year and also to raise crop in the next session. How long do the seeds remain alive after they are dispersed? This period again varies greatly. In a few species, the seeds lose viability within a few months. Seeds of large number of species live for several years. Some seeds can remain alive for hundreds of years. There are several records of very old yet viable seeds. The oldest is that of Lupine, Lupinus architectus excavated from arctic tundra seed germinated and flowered after an estimated record of 10000 years of dormancy a recent record of 2000 years old viable seed is of the date palm 
Phoenix dactylifera discovered during the archaeological excavation at the King Herod's Palace near the Dead Sea. Apomixis and polyembryony. Although seeds in general are the products of fertilization, a few flowering plants such as some species of Asteraceae and grasses have evolved a special mechanism to produce seeds without fertilization called apomixis. Thus, apomixis is a form of asexual reproduction that mimics sexual reproduction. There are several ways of development of apomictic seeds. In some species, the diploid egg cell is formed without reduction division and develops into embryo without fertilization. More often, as in many citrus and mango varieties, some of the new cellular cells surrounding the embryo sac start dividing, protrude into embryo sac and develop into embryos. In such species, each ovule contains many embryos. Occurrence of more than one embryo in a seed is referred to as polyembryony. Hybrid varieties of several of our food and vegetable crops have been extensively cultivated. Cultivation of hybrids have tremendously increased productivity. One of the problems of hybrids is that hybrid seeds have to be produced every year. If the seeds collected from hybrids are sown, the plant in the progeny will segregate and do not maintain hybrid characters. Production of hybrid seeds is costly and hence the cost of hybrid seeds become too expensive for the farmers. If these hybrids are made into epomics, there is no segregation of characters in the hybrid progeny. Then the farmers can keep on using the hybrid seeds to raise new crop year after year and he does not have to buy hybrid seeds every year. Because of the importance of epomixes in hybrid seed industry, active research is going on in many laboratories around the world to understand the genetics of epomixes to transfer epomictic genes into hybrid varieties.